America is in trouble. We've turned our backs on God, forsaken our history, and too easily succumb to tyrannical orders. Our problem seems overwhelming, but the solution is simple. It's time we return to the Lord in strict adherence to the Constitution of the United States. Welcome to the Constitution Solution, one podcast under God. We're your hosts, Mark Deluzio and Christy Tyrone. Now, let's get on with the show. Hi, Christy Tyrone and Mark Deluzio here for Episode 9. And Christy, today we're going to talk about the military-industrial complex, the War Powers Act, and we're going to talk about how that all relates to this little thing that we call the Constitution. I mean, if you think about the enumerated powers that's in the Constitution, it clearly says one of the 17 enumerated powers is that uh, Congress is the one that declares war. Yeah. It's very simple. It's a very simple statement, you know. Well, and it makes sense because the Congress is the closest representation to the people. And um, when we're deciding who's going to war and whose kids are going to war, like it makes the most sense for um, the broader representation to make a call like that. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, just to, you know, read exactly what this is, and it won't take long. Article one, section eight of the constitution Congress shall have the power to declare war. It's pretty clear, right? That's pretty direct, huh? Get right to it. And, and you know, the interesting thing, Christy, is we've only declared war 11 times in our history. 11 times, okay. That doesn't mean we went to war only 11 times, but we, and I'm going to talk about that, all right? But we've only declared war 11 times. And once a declaration of war is declared uh, or approved by, by Congress, the U.S. then may kill their enemy combatants, seize enemy property, and apprehension of enemy aliens. That's kind of what hmm. that means when we do declare a state of war okay. and uh you know as you as you look through this whole business about the constitution i'm going to talk about several examples where we went to war and did not ask congress as a matter of fact uh it was interesting because when I was running for Congress, I think I told you the story before. I had a meeting with Kevin McCarthy when he was the minority leader. He wasn't not yet speaker. And I told McCarthy, I said, uh, you know, I said, Kevin, look, should you become speaker? Actually, I think I kissed up to him and I said, when you become speaker. Um, I said, do not let Biden put our troops in harm's way in Ukraine. And he just looked at me and gave me a very stern look like who are you to tell me right um what to do i said because you understand i said I, I know you understand better than me i said that congress is the only one that, that can declare war and this is going to go into a little bit of a conversation later in this podcast about you know what is this thing called war and uh, to me it's very simple but uh uh, maybe uh, as you look at the scholars that are out there today, they get into all kinds of debates over these type of things. Uh, 
And I almost want to go back to our Words Matter episode because yeah. I'll tell you right now, Christy, that Words Matter episode that you did, uh, I forget which episode it was, is going to come back time and time again in all these different things that we're going to talk about over the course of time. Yeah, because we really need like, what are the, the words, what do they define when we're discussing something so we can be sure we're talking about the same thing and what it means as we continue debating it. We need to have the core issue at hand. So yeah, what is war? And <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If I get shot at, I think that's war. Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> this is my personal battle, battle, battle versus war, I guess. You know, you have battles in, within a war. And then... Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I should have looked that one up in the dictionary before we uh, got started here. Well... Let's see what Webster has to say about war. One of the things... So, so you know, as, as we look at this, right, Congress has the power... In the obligation to declare war. Okay, fine. And the president is the commander in chief who actually, you know, leads and manages the armed forces, right? He's the commander in chief. But the founders, some of the key guys like Hamilton, George Washington, James Madison, they were very key on this Article 1, Section 8 enumerated power of declaring war that they did not want to put the power of going to war into one person's hand, which in this case was the president, which is why they had that as an enumerated power of, uh, of Congress. Okay. They were very key to make sure that that power didn't exist with one individual. So as you go through and look at, you know, all the things that we've, we've done, um, over the course of time, we violated this immensely in many, many different regards. So if you look at, I'll give you examples. President Truman went into Korea, all right? Uh, That was called a police action. Police action? So they just changed the terms? Well, we did for COVID, didn't we? On a vaccine? Words matter. Called the MNRA uh, va- uh, drug a-, a vaccine. They actually changed the whole definition of a, a vaccine, and, and our our president Biden changed the definition of a recession. Okay, yeah. I guess everything I learned in economics in college was false because I didn't know Biden was the guy that was going to redefine what we call the recession. But anyway, so they changed the term for war to what did you say? Mil- police. Uh, whatever. Well, Truman called this a police action and didn't feel he action, needed yeah. to to go to Congress. Now, I got some data here that says in Korea we lost thirty six thousand five hundred and seventy four of our own military troops. That's horrible. That's a heck of a police state, state right? I mean, yeah. a police action. That's a heck of a police action to have lost almost thirty seven thousand. Of our own troops. Now, what year was Korea? Do you, when did that happen? Uh, it was in the it was uh, in uh, the late fifties. So, late 50s. Uh, okay. yeah, and and you know, I believe it was the late fifties, but anyway, in the fifties, and and uh, thirty seven thousand people. Okay, for a police action. Reagan did it with Libya. Herbert Walker Bush did it with 
Panama when he went after Noriega. Obama did it with Libya as well. So these presidents, no matter how you feel about them, didn't feel they had to, they all have their reasons why they didn't think they had to go to Congress to put our troops in harm's way and fight. You know, so call it a police state, call it a police action, whatever they, whatever their, their, um, their reasons were, they felt that they weren't obligated to abide by our own constitution. So that triggers all kinds of questions in, in my mind. Like, so the president, you know, as commander in chief just says, Hey, generals, we're going to war. And then the, you know, I don't know how the, the process goes from there, but like, so then the military action just, they just followed because the president said so. Like it kind of it make, kind of begs the question, like, why did nobody ask if Congress had allowed it? And how come nobody said, hey, wait a minute? Or maybe people did, but why, you know, the the fact that all those men that went and fought and died, like, did they did they think to themselves, hey, this is <laughs> unconstitutional, you know, before they went. So it's just kind of and, and it did say 1950 is when the Korean War. That's a heck of a police action, though. You know what I'm saying? That's a heck of a police action. When 37,000 yeah. of our own people die. And and now, now let's talk about Vietnam for a minute. Okay. Viet- Vietnam, Congress did, you know, authorize it. Okay? Okay. However, Lyndon Johnson and McNamara at the time, I believe it was the Secretary of State, he, they lied to the American people over the Bay of Tonkin. Mm-hmm. They intention it's it's been now proven that they intentionally lied to the American people and to Congress that at the Bay of Tonkin our Navy ships got attacked that second time, and they did not. <gasps> but they wanted to propagate the war. Now, now if you think about if you think about uh you know, and I have I have a weird conspiracy theory here that, and it's funny because all my conspiracy theories have come true, but um, I know that feeling. Uh, Kennedy wanted to pull us out of Vietnam. Okay. Kennedy is no longer was no longer available for service, was he? Okay. Yeah. One way to say uh, it. Nixon, Nixon pulled us out of Vietnam and this whole Watergate thing popped up, which by the way, Watergate this is a side note, was a dime store robbery compared to what's going on today. A yeah, we should do a robbery. whole episode on on that one day. Oh my God, there's so many, yeah. I mean, but anyway, Lyndon Johnson lied to the American people, and he lied to Congress, and got us into this war. And that one there, I think we ended up with. Uh, I got the I got the chart here somewhere. Fifty uh, some odd thousand dead in Vietnam. Okay. Horrible. Yeah, um, 50 some odd thousand dead. I've got the exact number here somewhere. And if you think about it, Christy, the number one demographic, yeah, here it is. Vietnam was 58,220. Okay. The number one, the number one demographic for veteran suicides even today are Vietnam veterans. I believe it's the numbers like 60% of all veterans who commit suicide are Vietnam vets, even today, after so many years, right? 
Oh, so, yeah. So many people died, and then those who survived have all this, you know, lifelong of trauma. And yeah, the, the war doesn't end. Carry. That's the thing that people understand. When you're in combat, the war doesn't end. It mm -hmm. continues. So usually at 2 in the morning when you wake up in a cold sweat, but um, we're in a gutter. We have a lot of homeless, and that's a whole other subject yeah. for another day. But, but you know, you look at how we abuse the Constitution in these in these matters, and and it's to me, quite frankly, it's uh, it's criminal. Okay, so yes, I agree. Uh, you know, and, and by the way, if I if I looked at some of the statistics on war dead. Korean War is 36,574, Vietnam 58,220. Now, Iraq, you know, we did get some we we did get authorization. Now, now in Afghanistan, we lost 2,456 of which one of those was my son as you know. And Congress gave the president at the time, George Bush, W Bush, authorization to go into Afghanistan to go after the terrorists that you know drove 9-11 yeah not to go in and overtake the country uh to bomb the country to do all the things that you know we did stay there for 20 years and, and stay there for 20 years and and you know there's, and there's that could be a whole nother episode too as to why that was but it does tie into something i'm going to talk about next which is something called the military-industrial complex. But before I get to that, Christy, in, the, in, in uh, 1973, Congress passed what's called the War Powers Act. Now, it's interesting because a lot of people think the War Powers Act is, you know, the enumerated powers for Congress and the Constitution. But basically, it was designed to restrain the president's ability to commit U.S. forces to uh, to go to war. Oh, and, and what they and why think about the timing here. Nineteen seventy three. It's right about when the Vietnam War ended. Okay. And Nixon was still in office. Now Nixon vetoed this bill. Oh. But Congress overrode it, and it hmm. became law. But it's been ignored for the most part by every president since, and some of the characters I just mentioned earlier. Uh, ignored it okay now I kind of asked myself why did we need this at all since we have section 8 article 1 section 8 in the enumerated powers where Congress is authorized only authorized the only one authorized to, to declare war why did we yeah, need so it's war like we should we should have just like reiterated hey this is here instead of making a new a new thing to emphasize what's already complete yeah, I, I, I think I think quite frankly we we already had a law. <laughs> it's called the Constitution, mm -hmm. yeah. right? And so they wanted to limit the executive branch from from getting us into other type of Vietnams, right? Mm -hmm. Which you know we all know how well that worked, right? Yeah. So, so this War Powers Act is still in the books, uh, and like a lot of our laws, being ignored by uh, by the president and others. You know, if you think about Laws like immigration, those are being ignored. Mm -hmm. You think about a bunch of different types of things that we are ignoring right now, which uh, 
I'm not sure how you handle that. You know, I'm not sure how you handle that because you're going to find after I talk about the Eisenhower speech, his farewell speech when he left office, that there are a lot of a lot to be gained by politicians when we go to war. And, you know, we we don't we don't necessarily have um, our country's best interest in mind, especially the military and their families in mind, uh, because we're not even talking about. OK, so we're talking about the 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 people, the, the military that were, that were killed. But what about the people that were injured and paralyzed and and then all, as you indicated, the PTSD, all the mental illness, the homelessness, all the all the ramifications of war that these violations uh, promulgate. So, so we, we, we are, you know, in, 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 a, in a big peril. Now, now Eisenhower, when he left office right before Kennedy took over, he had his farewell speech and I got it right here in front of me. And I'm going to read a couple of lines from this, from this speech, Christy, if you don't mind. All right, understood. One of the lines is, and I'm you know picking these out, but we annually spend on military security more than the net income of all United States corporations at that oh. time. At that time, okay. The conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence, economic, political, and even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government. We recognize the imperative need for this development. Yet, we must not fail to comprehend its grave implications. Our toll, resources, and livelihood are all involved so is the very structure of our society. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of the co this combined endanger our liberties and democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals so that security and liberty may proper prosper together. So, you, you know, this knowledgeable synergy, you know, yeah. I mean, that's why we're doing this, right? That's why yes. we're doing this to get people knowledgeable about things of this matter. And, but he talked about the military industrial complex and let me finish off by one other phrase in his, in his uh, farewell address. The prospect of domination of the nation's scholars by federal employment Project allocations and the power of money is ever present and is gravely 
to be regarded. Okay, so he's warning us. Now, you go back and read some of the history here, and, and Eisenhower himself was part of this military-industrial complex. It didn't just start at his farewell speech. It's been going on for quite some time, all right? Matter of fact, I think our budget in 1950 went from, like, I want to say it was 18 billion to like 49 billion when Kennedy took over for the military budget. Now our budget's over 800 billion. Okay. Oh. Now, I know we got inflation in there and consumer price index and all that, but, but that's where we are. So now one last thing, Eisenhower's speech was written and rewritten over 30 times. There were like 30 drafts of this speech. Matter of fact, if you go onto the Eisenhower Institute uh, website, the library website, you'll see his handwriting and his scratch outs and all these different drafts, right? It's pretty interesting to see that, actually. Yeah. I can view inside his mind, seeing those kind of edits. Now, in the original draft, these two guys that wrote his, his original speech, Moose and Williams was their name. They used the phrase... Military industrial com congressional complex. Congressional. Congressional. Huh. Okay. And it's a more accurate description, of course, I think, of what was going on. Okay. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But Eisenhower thought, thought that the word congressional would have highlighted the corruption that was being taken place in the United States and in the Senate, and maybe even implicated Eisenhower to some degree in that scandal, okay? So Eisenhower took out the word congressional, and what remained was the military-industrial complex, okay? That's wild. That almost makes it like it's its own entity, its own monster. It takes it out from what it really was and is supposed to be. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that's something that a lot of people don't know, which is why we do this podcast, right? Um, and I think you heard me talk about this congressional thing on the campaign trail, uh, how Eisenhower took that word out. And and so, so where does that leave us, right? Well, let's just look at some things. Our defense budget is over $800 billion, okay? Of that, over half of it goes to defense contractors. So 420 some odd billion dollars goes to defense contractors. Now, who are the biggest defense contractors here in the U.S.? The biggest one is Lockheed Martin. They rank number one at like $46 billion of revenue. I'm sorry, of contract obligations to the government. Okay. Raytheon, uh, close to $26 billion. Third is General Dynamics at $22 billion. Now, this next one, you're going to really have a, a lot of questions around. Pfizer. Oh, those guys. At, at $17 billion. And you got Boeing. At, yeah, Boeing's almost $15 billion. Northrop Grumman is uh, $14 billion. Humana, the insurance company, $7.7 billion. HII Corp, 6.5. L3 Harris, and I have a good friend that that works there, 6.45 billion. 
and BAE Systems is five point two billion. Okay, so those are your top ten, and there's others. It's interesting to note, though, that uh, a lot of military generals, when they retire from the army or from the service, and admirals all get jobs at these places uh... because they have connections with. Who do you think? Who do you think they have connections with? This group wow. called Congress. And, uh, and by the way, Lloyd Austin, who is uh, Bush's uh, Secretary of Defense, was on the board for Raytheon before he took over, took this position. Okay, think about that. There is a vested interest in these guys to go to war. There's no money in peace. There's no money no. in peace. And the one that's been calling this out. Was, is Tulsi Gabbard. I give her a lot of credit. I don't yeah. agree with her on a lot of her social stances, right? But she's a, I think she still is currently a, a Hawaiian uh, National Guard. And she's been deployed to, I, I believe, Iraq and or Afghanistan. And uh, she is the only one calling out the military industrial complex. And you know, I saw her doing that. We watched the, we watched the Democrat debates and suffered through that in 2020. And, uh, it was fascinating to see she called out a lot of this stuff right there from the stage in front of everybody and nobody wanted to hear it. Everyone's like, oh, you know, nobody wanted to answer to the things she brought to the table. But it was kind of very unveiling the things that she brought out. So so good for her on that. But and she they crucified her after that debate, if you remember, because yeah. you're oh, messing yeah. with their pocketbooks. OK, all of them mm -hmm. up there. And and uh, President Bush, I'm sorry, President Trump mm -hmm. is the only one has called out the military industrial complex that I can remember. I don't remember okay. any other president doing so, Christy. Mm -hmm. And President Trump did not want to go to war if he didn't have to. Mm -hmm. uh, I could tell you this, that he's a very strong leader. And when I met with, uh, and I, I'll, I'll just say this, I mean, it's, I'm, you know, I don't think I was sworn to any secrecy, but I met Mark Meadows a couple of times when I ran for Congress, who was Trump's uh, chief of staff and, mm -hmm and who was also uh, very tightly tied to, you know, to him. Although I think right now he's kind of taken another avenue with Trump. It's amazing how those guys flip. But anyway, he told me that when President Trump negotiated the pullout of Afghanistan when he was president, he was across the table from the head of the Taliban, and he said, if one scratch comes to any of our people, and he stopped talking, and out of his breast pocket, he pulled out a satellite picture of the of the uh, head of the Taliban's home with his children playing in the yard. Oh, and all he okay. did is hand him the picture and didn't say another word. Message sent. Wow. We know where you live, and we can get you if we need to. Okay? All right? So, obviously, Trump didn't become president. And you had this clown of a of a president now yes. that they just walked all over, right? And so, but that's what kind of leader Trump was, okay, in that regard. Notice how Putin didn't go to Ukraine under his leadership. They did under Obama. Notice how, notice how the missiles stopped flying over Japan from the fat man in North Korea. Notice how China didn't wasn't aggressive into the Sea of China building military islands. In their eminent attack, you know, on on uh, on Taiwan, and they will do that. Uh, and notice that uh, all these other things did not go on under his reign. 
because I think they probably thought Trump was crazier than they were. So yeah, and, and like you said before, the um, peace through strength motto, right? You don't even exactly. have to flex. Exactly. You just like, hey, you you know, you know what we can do. <laughs> that was yeah, exactly, and that was the Ronald Reagan doctrine that uh, uh, the whole peace through strength, which I agree with. You know, you have to have a strong military. Now, finishing up here, um, Congress is allowed to own stock in if you're on if you're on a committee, if you're on a defense committee, okay, Congress is allowed to own stock in these defense contractors. Now you oh. tell me that's not a, con- a conflict of interest. Yeah. Well, this just keeps getting worse. <laughs> I'm not allowed when I was going to run for when I ran for Congress. If I had won, I would not be allowed to run my own consulting company. Okay, even from afar, okay. I would have to put that into a into a some sense of a trust or something and keep it away. But these guys can own stock in the companies that they're passing legislation on, and awarding. Remember, Congress controls the purse, awarding contracts to various. Uh, uh, defense contractors. Okay. Yeah, who needs a job when you can do that, huh? No, I mean, and in, in, in a lot of sense, you think about, well, how do you go in at a, I think a congressman's salary is, I don't know, what is it, 170000 or so a year? How do you come on a multimillionaire in a few years? Okay. Now, I'll give you two examples of the political contributions made to members of defense committees. Okay, and there's several of them, but Raytheon donated last year $790,000. L3 Harris donated, they, they donated $624,000 to politicians. Okay, so you tell me about conflicts of interest. Now, it's interesting if, and I'll, I'll do this very generally, but the way defense works Let's say that you're a defense contractor, you know, that makes guns, helmets, whatever, right? You're not allowed to directly uh, not only negotiate, but but discuss with the government. Let's say it's the army, right? You have to go through a, 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 a procurement group in the defense department. Now, Congress put this procurement group in to avoid collusion where you can't, you know, let's say I'm the, uh, I, uh, let's say I, I make a product for, for, for the army and you're the, you're, you're the U S government, you're, you're the department of defense, let's say. They didn't want me to go to you directly because favoritism, right. Mm-hmm. Could have happened. And you think about favoritism, it still can happen in this third party defense administration group. Yeah. And it does happen. Right. But what about the conflict of interest when members of Congress are getting direct contributions from defense contractors and they're writing law and allocating awards to these people? So you see, there's when Trump came in and started cutting this all out in terms of not going to war, okay, he was hitting their pocketbook. I really do believe this is one of the main reasons they go after Trump. Okay. Because he was hitting their piggy bank. And if you think about 
if you think about Ukraine, that mm-hmm. was so predictable to me that that was going to happen under Biden. And he also did it with Syria. So he has put, he has now put, from what I read, our troops on the ground in Ukraine and in Syria without coming to Congress for authorization to go to war. And I'm sure, like Truman, he'll probably call it some kind of police action or whatever the case may be. And that's how these things end up happening, okay? And we, you know, Ukraine could be a whole other subject for another day, but, you know, we spent billions over there now on on that. And when Biden left $85 billion worth of equipment in in Afghanistan on a pullout, that was a new, new purchase order for these companies. Yeah. Like, oh, you I mean, got I mean, we have to get out of here now. Now let's find another way to think about it. Eighty-five billion dollars. Eighty-five billion dollars. Okay. And mm-hmm. and and that's not counting the reverse uh, engineering that's going on with our sophisticated proprietary technology, which to me, right alone, that's treasonous that we allow that to happen. But anyway, you see the connection here with the military industrial complex. There's a lot of money in war, Christy, and uh at the expense of lives of our 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 military and uh and families and you look at the corruption that is here and by the way it's on both sides of the aisle oh yeah it's not a a democratic thing it's not a republican thing okay so how do you break that how do you break this and put laws in that says well first you can't take any contributions from people your award work to i mean that that to me makes perfect sense Oh, yeah, by the way, you can't own stock in the people that you're awarding contracts to. Yeah. Who's going to write that law, and then who the heck's going to sign it? So so that's that's the military-industrial complex. So I started out this, to kind of close up, Christy, I started out with the Constitution. Now I'm going to end with the Constitution. Once again, it's very simple. Um, Article 1, Section 8, one of the 17 enumerated powers, and we do have another episode on enumerated powers. Section 1, I mean, Article 1, Section 8 of our Constitution says, Congress shall have the power to declare war. Simple. It can't get any simpler than that. And the mm-hmm. president in Article 2, Section 2, is the commander-in-chief of the armed forces. Mm-hmm. But he does not have the power to declare war. But they do, and like and, like yeah, and like Truman said, oh, it's a police, it's a police action. Thirty-seven thousand people later, and that's kind of one of the themes of our show. Is really the answer to all this is knowledge, faith, knowledge, and courage. And if we um, are faith in God and understanding His word and His will for His people, we can decide what is a just war and what is not, and then with the knowledge of how our constitution works and where these powers are distributed, we could better gauge, is this constitutional or not? Um, how do we go forward from here? Mm-hmm. And it would take a, a lot of courage for the citizens, including the military as the citizens that they are to say, no, <laughs> one, this isn't just two, this is unconstitutional and three, I'm not going, you know, I always just think, you know, like your, your nullification idea, like, um, if we just if we had that faith, knowledge, and courage, then we could just say no, this is wrong, and not do it, because you look at all those lives lost and all those unconstitutional wars, 
it's it's a travesty and it's obviously going to continue they're still doing it now with ukraine they're trying again so this is an ongoing problem that has a very pressing need for a solution and i just um it sounds simple but i really think that's that's the basis of how we take care of this and electing better people that was one of the things that um i liked about your campaign and as we were campaigning for you when you were running was knowing that you were not going to vote to send our sons into unjust wars that was a really big deal to me my mm-hmm. son just turned 18 mm-hmm. and so he just had to you know sign up for the selective service and we had a whole talk mm-hmm. about it and you know he's going to be an informed voter he knows what's going on and um we talked about the importance of electing the right people because your life is on the line as a young man in this country and you don't want to just willy-nilly vote for anybody that's going to get in there and send you off to do this stuff to, to put your life on the line so um, that was a really kind of serious talk we had about all this, but it, it's a big deal. And so um, electing the right people is a big part of solving this problem, too. You know, and, and Christy, you know, so you say to yourself, well, what can we all do, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of things we can do. Like, for example, this podcast that you and I are doing, we're not doing it because we like to see our faces on the screen <laughs> or, you know, our voices on the on the podcast uh, airwaves. We're doing it because we want to we want to educate people as to you know what is going on, and I'll go back to Eisenhower's uh, farewell address. He says, "Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial military machinery." How many people? How many citizens are really knowledgeable about anything that we just talked about in this last you know? No, whatever it was, 40, 50 minutes. Okay. That was new to me. A lot of that was very new to me right now. I just like, I have a lot more questions. Like we're going to have to do more shows on this. Oh no. Did, like, hey, by the way, I think that? this one here, quite frankly, Christy, we just touched, we just touched the surface on it. Yeah. There's a lot more to this and there's a lot more uh, that I could have talked about in the essence mm-hmm. of time. I think we're at right now at a good time to, to maybe cut this one off, but hopefully this would be some food for thought for people to think about how we uh, just one uh, other example of how we are are um uh stomping on our constitution and stomping on our rights and these are the people that took the oath every one of the people here that did that took the oath to uphold the constitution okay and it's not happening so we're the only defense in terms of how this is going to work and 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 the first defense is to become knowledgeable so that's what we're doing so so this was what did i say this was episode nine yes it was episode nine so this is episode nine and um and i think we're probably going to come back and revisit this again as we uh as we move through so so christy thanks uh christy tyrone mark deluzio god bless you god bless america and we will see you next time Thanks for listening to The Constitution Solution, one podcast under God. You can find other episodes on our website at 1787solution.com, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're your hosts, Christy Tyrone and Mark Deluzio. Until next time, may God bless you and may God bless America.